Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yo, what is up, Blue Jays fans? It is Brendan Panikar in the driver's seat tonight with the usual passengers, Craig Borden, Adam Corsair. Gentlemen, how does it feel to look out your window if you can see outside and see that it's still light outside at almost 730? Love it. It's freaking amazing, man. It's like something good is happening. (laughs) Right? Feels so damn good. And I went for a walk right after work and 12 Celsius... So I know we were doing this whole conversion last week when we were talking about the weather warming up. So I want to say that's like around maybe mid to high 50s Fahrenheit for our American listeners and the two American co-hosts on the <laughs> show. Uh, but uh, beautiful. Smells like spring outside. And my goodness, it uh, smells like baseball is right around the corner. And I have to say as well, we are presented by Stadium Seed Network Podcasts. Um, hit them up. That's where you can find a whole bunch of good sports content. But yeah, gentlemen, it feels like baseball's right around the corner, and it is. It's only two weeks away. How are we feeling about that? Are we ready? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, bittersweet, I guess, because baseball is coming, and I know we have a lot to talk about when it comes to the Blue Jays pitching staff. But uh, otherwise, look, I'm just happy baseball is here. St. Patrick's Day is usually the the time where I like mark it on the calendar. We're really close to spring, or it's right here. And so... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm super excited. I'm super stoked. And couple that with the warm weather, your mood just changes. I don't know about you guys, but the vitamin D hits me hard. I love it. There you go. Yeah, yeah it's very it, exciting. Yeah, it is incredibly exciting, regardless of some of the news that have happened over the last few days. But um, let's start with uh, a topic that totally shifted the original agenda, because yesterday I had texted you guys in the morning saying I want to do something a little different other than co- uh, covering the normal news, which is all fun uh, to do each and every week. There's always something in Blue Jays land to talk about, whether it's speculating who's going to make the rotation, who's, what the batting order is going to be, whatever it is. But we were going to do originally pretty much copying talking baseball, the guys over there, the Yankees fans and Trevor Plouffe, uh, the former Minnesota twin third baseman. Uh, they did a draft position player group by position player group. So um, I texted you guys that was fully on our radar to do. Uh, we can explain it later or do it at a future date if we want Rain before check. the season starts. Rain check, exactly. So maybe next week, if no news breaks at the last second, uh, we can do that. Up to you, though, Corsair. That's your hosting week. But the bit of news, gentlemen, that uh, totally shifted what we were going to talk about tonight was the fact that Charlie Montoyo has had his option picked up for 2022. Um, personally, I didn't even remember what the deals of his contract were like when he first signed it. I didn't even know there was an option on the table for 2022. But he's locked in. He's locked in for this year, obviously. They're in the middle of spring training, and they're doing pretty well. Uh, and 
they've already felt confident enough to vest his option for 2022. So, Craig, I want to kick things off with you on this one. I don't know if you want to put him on trial. I don't know what you want to say <laughs> to kick things off. But uh, what were your what were your first thoughts, I guess, when you heard that? Because um, I didn't see a whole collective celebration on Blue Jays Twitter, but I also didn't see any negativity. So what were your thoughts on that? Because it's a little weird when there's not a polarizing reaction to news like this. No, what, it's not more Marcus Stroman tweets or (laughs) whatever it might be. Um, And nobody said the ship is sinking or anything, so we're not going there. (laughs) Okay, Hillenbrand. (laughs) So, no, it's just that kind of like it's almost like the status quo, right? That's kind of how it felt to me. He hasn't done anything blatantly obvious to lose confidence in Blue Jays Nation, but he hasn't done anything to really wow Jays Nation yet either. Because we more or less have made a joke on this show a couple of times that he's the the corporate puppet, right? He's just a member of the analytics team. He just happens to be the field general of the analytics team is what it really boils down to, right? So I think that's why you get the weird mixed opinions on things, just because it's completely all over the place right it's just okay great you showed up you did a decent job let's just keep running with it (laughs) what else can you say really right it was other than the fact that we've talked about it many times on this thing there's some things that need to change as far as somebody actually having a pair of balls to maybe make some certain moves (laughs) during the games and whatnot and maybe the analytics aren't the only thing that needs to be gospel, but I think it's really just because he was a good member of the analytics team. He gets to keep playing. Adam yeah. Yeah. I don't really mind the move. So I just checked out the contract details in 2018. He signed uh, a three-year deal with an option for 2022. So 2022 the- theoretically is his final year contractually his final year as a blue Jays manager. Um, I don't mind it, especially when you're building something like this right now, having a manager sort of step in next season when they're going to hopefully knock on desk, be in full playoff mode. That kind of puts a monkey wrench in things. Oftentimes, you know, the the lack of continuity um, can be a bit concerning, although at the same time, I don't think managers play a pivotal role in the success of a ball club. Um, They certainly play somewhat of a role. So. Um, do I mind the move? No, I, I look, the contract was signed, play out the contract, see what he can do, give him a chance to fail. Um, and again, I don't put that, um, the shoemaker thing from the playoffs last year directly on him. That was, you know, a, a, a team effort kind of thing when it comes to the, the analytics staff. Um, I don't mind it. I still think he's a bridge manager. I still think that he hasn't proven himself to be uh, a manager that is capable of, you know, leading a team, whatever that means, into a championship. Uh, I'd like to be proven wrong. Maybe he can be. The locker room seems to like him a lot. There seems to be uh, a very relaxed and positive vibe when it comes from him. So I appreciate that. Prove me wrong. Make me think that you can, you know, be a leader of the squad in at least a surface level kind of way. And I'll be down, but as of right now, I'm completely apathetic to the move. Is it a put or shut put up or shut up year? Does anybody else know that? No. <laughs> I think next year will be. Yeah. I would not be surprised if he goes into next season as a lame duck manager. Mm -hmm. And that's rare nowadays in any sport for a head coach, uh, a manager, whoever it is, to go in as a lame duck manager. But, Craig, I think that would be next year. Yeah. I only ask that because right now they are expected to compete 
you know, in one way or the other right now, I think the offense is going to keep them in that conversation. I know we'll get to the old elephant in the room with the other topic here shortly, but it's just, is it, is it going to be him that takes the blame if this kind of thing does go a little sour or is it going to be this whole, like we were talking about the analytics team that has really been driving where this team is going and where they're expecting this team to really produce with these young talents and whatnot to as soon as this season. And a lot of those guys are actually at the moment going to have to even step up past the offense, what we were talking about. So I, I only asked the question because it could be as soon as, if, you know, this is one of those moves that's supposed to make him comfortable for this season, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Go ahead, Adam. No, no, no. I, I was going to say it depends on the level of failure. If it's uh, a failure in terms of how the team is performing um, and not putting up, say, offensive numbers, mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily think that's a managerial uh, blame. Um, if it's the pitching staff sucking, I put that blame directly on the front office and yes. not on Montoyo. Um, but if it's, you know, um, weird substitutions or relief pitchers being tossed in there or making just strange, uh, I don't know, shifts or lack thereof or whatever, then yeah, at that point I'm putting it on him. But again, that's pretty rare for a manager to have that much, his hands that much into the game to control the outcome for better or for worse. Um, I think the front office is going to hear it quicker than Montoya would. That would not be surprising, especially because I think we're all in agreement and a lot of Blue Jays fans are in agreement that the constant changing of lineups are because the analytics department comes down and hands them a lineup card and says, this is the best and most optimized lineup for today's starting pitcher yeah. for the other team. And he rolls with it and he doesn't push back on it too much. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he has a few tweaks and whatnot uh, up his sleeve. Maybe a few of those reasons for the constant changing was a result of being such a young team and people not being firmly established in spots and batting order. Now we have a more veteran team with Springer and Simeon and guys just getting older. So perhaps we're going to see a more consistent batting order. But in my mind, Montoyo still has one strike uh, or one power card to play if things did go haywire this year uh, to not have him on thin ice going into 2022. If the offense falters and it looks bad on him, you know who he's going to fire? He's going to fire Guillermo Martinez, the hitting coach. Mm -hmm. If the pitching goes sideways, like, and I mean completely sideways, I agree with you, Adam. I would be more upset with the front office not being a little more aggressive by maybe adding an Oda Rizzi or another veteran starter um, just to eat innings. But there's always the option of firing Pete Walker, too, even though I do not want that because we've talked about how he can be a miracle worker uh, in the past uh, with some of these arms they've had. But he has that in his back pocket if something goes sideways in 2021, even in 2022. But I don't know, guys, if it's me. And we're looking ahead and we're and we're talking about this next year at this time. And Montoya's going in as a lame duck manager. Is it fair to have him go into the season as a lame duck manager and kind of dangle a carrot at the end of the season to be like, hey, if you do well and you get as far in the playoffs, you're going to be rewarded with a nice contract. If you don't and we fail on our goals, you're gone and we're going to bring in somebody else or promote Brian Schneider. Is it fair for him to go into next season as a lame duck manager? I don't know who wants to take that first, but yeah, great. Yeah, I I think it's fair to think that he should be worrying about that, if especially if something funky goes on this season where they're not a 500 team or something. Which, like we've all talked about, this is a 500 team all day. I think without catastrophe, <laughs> we yes. don't know about that yeah. um, part. Obviously, baseball is baseball, and that's why you show up and play the damn game. 
So, but that being said, there are some pieces to that, and um, I agree with you that you can't. If the pitching staff has issues, you can't blame Pete Walker for the fact that you gave him a bunch of Nothing. rookies and you hope to get something out of it. The next piece of that, the offense. If the offense fails, I think somebody is going to be held accountable, and it would easily be, uh, you know. The hitting coach is always the guy that goes, right? Especially yeah. when they have Dante Bichette sitting right there ready to go, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you literally have the guy that could be the replacee sitting three feet down the bench right now because he's already quote-unquote helping in that ballpark, right? <laughs> or whatever it might be. So it's it's going to be hard. I really think it's going to be. I, I think it's going to be one of those things that they're going to be wondering they stay the status quo next year or do they continue to evolve with the team evolving because there also could be the difference between somebody you know bringing in a bigger free agent you know uh, manager bringing in more talent to this team by having the proper manager or whatever it might be and I'm not saying nobody wants to play for Charlie Montoya so don't hit <laughs> so George Springer did correct but if you bring in somebody like like you know People want people knew John Gibbons and they loved playing for John Gibbons. People that played for Cito Gaston loved playing for Cito Gaston. It's the same thing as bringing in the right manager like that. That would be a reason that you could bring in free agents. You know, it's a lot different if you all of a sudden had like the Jim Leland playing right. in Toronto that you can bring in some extra talent. That might be the reason some of those free agents want to come to Toronto too. They're talking about expanding the brand, all that kind of good stuff. One of the ways you could do that is by doing that biggest catches right now with this front office there will never be an old school manager like that in toronto for the foreseeable future (laughs) yeah that i don't know i I don't know that you know putting that sort of pressure or putting that sort of incentive on him is productive because I, i honestly after thinking about it think this mainly falls on the front office if not entirely think about it if they're going to dangle that in front of Montoyo, right? Look, if you got to make the playoffs, you got to, you know, make a push or your, your job's on the line. Okay. Give me a staff that can do that. Right. Give me a, a capable staff on offense and defense that can push me to the playoffs. And we just, you know, sort of agreed that the manager doesn't typically have his hands that deep into the outcome of the game or how the players perform. I don't know that you can put that kind of pressure on them. What are you looking for as the front office? What are you looking for in your manager? Well, clearly you're looking for a yes man. Clearly you're looking for someone that's going to be, uh, you know, not opposed to having that lineup card handed to him and not opposed to having, you know, a five inning starting pitching limit for your play. And that's what you have. So why would you get rid of that? And plus, you know, you look at 2013, for instance, before the season started, you look at that lineup and you're like, fuck, this lineup is is built to win a World Series. Yeah. And they sucked and Gibbons didn't get fired. Yeah. Right? Gibbons yeah. Gibbons, they kept him for a sorry, for a very long time. <laughs> right. So at that point, a manager, maybe just teams, you know, in terms of their construction, may not be well enough to perform as a unit. Um, so I, I think this really just comes down to what the front office is going to do to put Charlie Montoyo in a position to win. Again, I, I just don't necessarily think he's stereotypically MLB management material. And I do think that they they wanted Baldelli when this whole thing started and he ended up going to, to Minnesota anyway. So at the end of the day, they got what they want. They got a yes man. They got a guy that's just going to follow orders for lack of a better way to put it. And that's not to say that Montoyo doesn't have a say. I'm sure he does, right? Obviously, if they're saying, like, hey, let Ryu go five innings, but after that, pull him, and he's 
giving up 12 runs in the first, Montoyo has oh. the autonomy. Like, no, dude, you're, you're getting pulled. Oh, come on. I, I want to see him keep getting shelled. So. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so at that point, yes, he does have a little bit of leeway. But I'm not sure. I think we put too much stock in what a manager is you know doing in terms of the, the outcome of the game today. I'm sure yes. that was true yes. in Gibby's time. When he was just a short five six years ago, but right now I don't think it's that's it's how the game's changed. Weight. Yeah, it really is. You're you're like I said, you're you're a long ways away from the Jim Leland's or even um, Don Baylor and all them. You know, it's just yeah. how it is. You're not doing that anymore. And I got you got to think that in Houston that you know he's not getting all that kind of you know freedom that he used to have when he was the Nationals coach and stuff yeah. like that. So <laughs> that's Baker. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's two other things I want to talk about, Charlie Montoya, before we move on to some of the other topics that we have tonight. And one of those, uh, and this kind of leads into if he is the manager of the future. Do you guys think that there's a possibility that the way he approaches his pregame and press game conference and postgame press conferences with the media, that everything's all ho hum and good and everything's happy and we're all upbeat and fine when in reality things might not be fine? Because I can see that type of approach in the way he handles the media, which may be totally different behind closed doors, rub off the wrong way on a guy like Bo Bichette or even in the future Austin Martin, both two guys who are incredibly hyper competitive. Um, how do you guys feel about that? Because I've seen Blue Jays Twitter in the past criticize Charlie at times for being a little too happy, a little too, oh, everything is fine, everything is great, we're having a good time, and there's nothing to worry about. Uh, and I have seen people give him crap for that because it's like, no, Charlie, it's okay to say it is not okay right now. We just gave up a lead in three consecutive games, and now we're on a five-game losing streak. Not everything is fine. It's not early in the season. Adam, is that something that we should worry about moving forward, especially as guys like Bo and other guys get a little older and probably start having more of a voice in the clubhouse, or is that just what we're going to get from Charlie every single year? Yeah, that doesn't concern me at all. Um, in fact, that's one of the things I really like about him is that I, I genuinely feel that that is him. He's not putting up a front. Yeah. He's not putting yeah. up a facade. That is probably how he approaches things, and that's sort of envious in a way because I tend to worry about a lot of things, especially when the outcome is bad. But if you know the Blue Jays get trampled, he comes out to the presser with a smile on his face, and I'm, I'm saying that's a little that envious. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that that outcome. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think there was only one presser last year that he really ripped into it, and he was yes. like, "We played like shit," and he literally said that. And was you could tell he was pissed off, and I've never seen Montoya like that. Um, but at the end of the day, this isn't this isn't the NFL, yeah. right? You don't. I don't think baseball players respond well to the rah rah and get you fired up and you know seventh inning stretch or whatever. Like it just doesn't happen. I, I don't necessarily think there's that much of a motivator factor when it comes to baseball. Baseball is a is a process. It's not you have to go with zero to hundred every single fucking inning it's it's, it's more a of a you gotta, yeah you you you, you want to get somebody you want to get rowdy too fired up and when he goes to the plate and just swings at literally everything yeah. instead of taking this time for the pitch he wants no that don't work <laughs> no and same thing with great chuck right even though it's gonna happen that's gonna anyway. happen anyway <laughs> yeah um so no that's just that's one of the least of my concerns i don't mind in fact it makes the presser at the end of the game a little bit more enjoyable to listen to Hey, that's fair. So we should be telling Blue Jays Twitter to lay off a little bit. Yeah, I have a strange feeling <laughs> that true. when he needs to lay into somebody, he's going to have no problem doing it. He strikes me mm. as the very similar sure. to this group. You know what I mean? It's the best friend of the worst enemy thing 
you know, there's yeah. not, it's one or the other. There's no in between. If you pissed me the yeah. fuck off, I'm sorry. You're going to know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, does anybody remember the year that, you know, before that, when obviously we won a whole, like, what, 30 games for the whole 2019 season or whatever it was? Yeah. <laughs> so. There was that one game that he came out after the presser or whatever, and they're like, well, who do you think you're going to pitch tomorrow or whatever? And we were literally were just grabbing random-ass knuckleballers from Japan yeah. off the and he goes, we don't <laughs> have anybody shoot. else. Yeah. <laughs> so what? That's exactly what I expected to hear. And he didn't try to go over it and sugarcoat it. And it's like, yep, we're just going to throw anybody out there that can give us a couple innings, and we're going to have a good time. And, um, yeah, let's hit, play minor league baseball at the major league level, guys, because that's where we're at in 2019. <laughs> yeah. So, but – Hey, if that's what we're going to get from him, at least you, I think the best thing that he does for, does for his players is one way or the other, and I know where he, they stand, and the fact that they um, are getting that, like, almost a fresh restart every day. You know how you always hear yeah. about relief pitchers, especially, right, are always, I just got to forget that outing. They're supposed to be short memory, you know? You know no, yeah. No long-term memory. Don't remember that shit you did a week ago. Worry about the now thing. I think he keeps them cemented in that now factor and that is a big thing especially think about last year guys they literally were homeless yeah. you got a guy that's yeah. coming in with that you know that leadership mentality to it that is a definite a big perk that at least you well he's happy about things i better damn well be too right right <laughs> the final thing i want to ask you guys and and i'm asking this because i feel that after a season in 2019 where you know, we knew that they weren't going to do anything. There was a lot of losing that year. There was a lot of injuries that year. I'm not sure it's necessarily fair to judge a 2019 on Charlie. But then again, he gets a 60-game season in 2020. Uh, if this whole pandemic didn't happen and there was actually a full 162, um, that might have been a little more fair to evaluate him. But he kind of lucked his way in to a 60-game season, and now he has a playoff berth on his resume. Um, with an expanded playoff field, as we all know, so, Craig, I'll start with you. If you were to give Charlie Montoyo a letter grade for the work that he's done so far, keeping in mind everything that's happened, um, you can even touch on if you feel it's a little too tough to grade him at this point because of the two very odd seasons and the the situations were kind of out of his control with what was going on. What would you give Charlie as a grade? I'm going to give him my wonderful, like, what I had as an engineering student in college because I had no time to actually study because I was working and all that other kind of stuff at the same time. So... I'm going to give you that nice C-plus or a B just for Charlie because I think the fact that last year doesn't happen as a 500 record if he didn't properly prep some of those kids that were up in 2019. I just think there's got to be some credit there. We all knew that season was going to suck. There was no way of looking at it any differently. We knew we were approaching the end of a rebuild, but it was really that 2019 start. We have no idea what we really are going to get out of it, right? Then mm-hmm. 2020, yeah, we walked into a playoff berth because of some certain things falling. But I still think that team was going to be a 500 team, regardless of the fact if it was a full 162. We were talking about as early as spring training last year. This felt different, right? Yeah. And um, in the midst of that, I think it was just one of those things that it's a slightly above average period. But I think right now that's perfectly fine. And if we're still trending in the right direction, I'm just going to say it's just like my stocks, right? They're just kind of going like this slowly. As long as I keep making money, I'm okay. <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah, I was going to say a B. Um, you can't really grade him on 2019. I think that's yeah. unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Craig's right. We walked into that season with the lowest of low expectations. No one. And, and, you know, I think that's why the Blue Jays gave him at that time three years plus an option. You know, they committed to watching him for three years. Right. And I think that's why they picked up 2022 is because even though last year was a success when it comes to a playoff berth, it wasn't a full season. I think the Blue Jays were committed to saying, we need to see what you can do with three full seasons. So we're going to pick up that option because you got robbed or we all got robbed of a full season last year, despite mm-hmm. the success. Um, so having said that, 2019 being sort of a wash, 2020 exceeding the expectations, but you're thinking, okay, it's a shortened season. What could have happened with the full 162? We're going to give you a better roster now, better than last year. Now, with improved talent, you know, growing and falling into their place and, you know, falling into their fitting um, in terms of the the homegrown stars, we'll see what you can do. So at that point, I'm going to give them a B and that might even be too, too much. Maybe I'm being too fair with that, but um, he certainly hasn't done anything to make me think, God, this guy's terrible. He just hasn't done enough to wow me, which is why I think he's a bridge manager. If this year, you know, the, the team's successful and they're driving well and the attitude and the mood is good in the, in the locker room or from what we can see on the bench and whatnot, then I'll have a lot more confidence in him. But otherwise, I think a B is a fair grade. Yeah, I think um, I fall a little right more, more so around where you are, Craig, a C+. Plus. Um, I think it would be a, a fair letter grade in my books. Um, and again, I'm not evaluating 2019. Maybe certain aspects of 2019 you can evaluate, whether it's bullpen management, because the last few years the Blue Jays have had a good bullpen. 2019 they had a pretty good bullpen too, uh, for the most part. Uh, and last year, it is true, you have to be able to manage well enough in the amount of games that you're given. If this year was 140, you still got to manage them all 140 games to get them to the playoffs. If there's some cancellations of games and you only play 100 games, you got to still get them to the playoffs in those 100 games. So he did successfully guide them through 60 games to get to the playoffs. So I'm still a little skeptical moving forward. Um, I would like to see, even though we agree that lineup cards are handed to him, I would like to see a little pushback. I would like to see not so much don't be so rigid in your plans, especially with pitching uh, going into a game when it comes to openers and and guys who come in from there. So I will give him a C plus if I had a number a number to give him right at a 70, right at an even 70. That's I think what I graduated university with a 70 on the dot. And that was pre- that was pretty, uh, pretty accurate of the amount of effort I put into it. Good enough, <laughs> but also not outstanding. And I think that's a good way that good way to describe Charlie's job so far. Good enough, but nothing outstanding. And Adam, to what you said, nothing's wowed anybody to this point with what he's done. So you can't really get into the, like the 75 to 80 plus range with a, with a number score. Well, so. let, me, let me ask you if, if, you're looking for him to to give a little pushback or whatever with the lineup cards, or how would you see that? You know, I, I don't know. You'll never know about it. It's true. That's true. You know that guess... that shit is definitely kept behind closed doors. I go back I, I, to my previous "the ship is sinking" quote. If that comes yeah. out again, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you'll know about that. But if it's I, a friendly I, disagreement about the lineup, you'll know. About sure. It. I guess this year might we might be able to tell if there's a, a change in philosophy because you have more veterans on the team and somebody some people like Springer or Simeon who've been established in certain parts of the order if we consistently see them in the one or two spot every year then maybe that's either the front office having a little shift of philosophy or Charlie be like no this is where he's been successful this whole year. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It would be tough to see uh that kind of stuff happen. So um 
Yeah, I mean, that's the trial of Charlie uh, so far. He's back for another year. Um, we've given him grades all across the board for the most part, but pretty in line with what I think that he uh, has done to this point. So let's move on. Um, there is some bad news. Uh, I know Charlie's news wasn't bad, but it wasn't also like, yay, oh my God, he's back. This news was, oh shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's two injuries now. We talked about Nate Pearson last week. Uh, so let's start with him. Pearson uh, re-aggravated his injury that he sustained about a week, week and a half ago. Uh, and it's official. He's not cracking the opening day roster because of this injury. Um, and then today, Thomas Hatch leaves the game after throwing a, a few pitches. He threw a pitch, clearly in discomfort, threw a few more, and then he just called it the trainer. And where have we seen this before? We saw that in that crazy week in 2012 where we saw three pitchers do the exact same thing. Throw a pitch, try to throw another few pitches. They're like, I can't do this anymore. So... He's getting an MRI on his elbow. But let's start with Pearson because we had started to talk last week about potential fill-ins for his spot. And Thomas Hatch was a name that was brought up. But now that he's off the board as a potential replacement, and now that we know Pearson is not going to be on the opening day roster, Adam, where do you go from here? Because you have Ryu, Ray, um, Roark, probably Mats, and... I don't know. Is it Stripling? Is it Anthony K? Is it who? Or do you go dumpster diving for a veteran free agent? Uh, you would assume Stripling is going to get in there um, just based on familiarity. And um, I, I just think he's the most obvious if it was just Pearson and you could probably get by. Um, I I really like K. I think K deserves yeah. it, but I think they like him to start in the minors or at least in the first month in the quote unquote taxi squad. Um, I would love to give him the chance, but I have a feeling, and I think AJ brought this up last week when she was on. Um, I think it's going to be Thornton before K in the yeah. eyes of the front office, not and whether or not we agree, we can discuss, but uh, I think it's going to be Thornton that's going to get a shot before K, which is unfortunate, but. Uh, I think Stripling's the obvious uh, shoe-in right now for Pearson's spot. Maybe Great not as, in number two, but, you know, in sure. the, the starting five. So no dumpster diving for you, Adam? Not yet. I don't think they're going to do it yet. Yeah, Craig, are you going into the dumpster? <laughs> I'm dancing on the edge. You know, just kind of like... Dun, dun, dun. You're, <laughs> you're peeking in? <laughs> I'm peeking in because there are a couple <laughs> yeah. decent names that are, you know, unfortunately I'm not ready to get to Porcello in an odd year. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> all even. But right now, according to you know projected WAR, I guess I'll just go through this and be this guy if you were peeking into the dumpster because I you know went on FanGraphs and pulled it up here. Rick Porcello yeah. is the guy that has the best 2020 WAR and is projected for a 1.4 this season. Not terrible. It's not terrible, but the the also is you're talking he's coming off of a he's they're guessing he's going to get 11 million in a two year deal. So somebody banking clearly on that even number I was telling you about. <laughs> and for Blue Jays fans that are listening, I don't know this yet. If you're looking for one of the weirdest stat lines in all of baseball, do a baseball reference check on Rick Porcello's numbers because you literally watch it go good year, bad year, good year, bad year, good year, bad year, and it's all about even numbers with him. <laughs> <laughs> so that being said, then you're going really quickly into guys that you start dropping off pretty quick that are in their late 30s in Anibal Sanchez. Homer Bailey, Cole Hamels is intriguing enough. And then we had Zach Godley, 
Yeah, no. <laughs> and then you're really getting into it where you're talking well, okay let's bring edwin jackson back or chef oh, <laughs> no. samarja or mike leak because you know he was always he mike leak was another one of anthopolis's favorites right yeah, yeah. And Jay Bruce. <laughs> so and him and jay bruce so we can finally nail that one down if we really wanted to so those are really the quote-unquote good arms on the free agent market and like you know we were just, like I, I saw both of your guys faces on that it wasn't anything super intriguing if it came down to the point that right now, if I was diving in on one of those guys, I'd rather just watch the youth movement happen. Yeah. Because yeah. we've been seeing some really good, talented performances this spring. Alex Manoa, Simeon Wood Richards, uh, you know, everybody has been having a great spring. It, it's really hard to even think of anybody else at this point. Anthony Kay has been tremendous since really solidifying that cutter and going from there. But it's just, I think you got to be. I would be either be looking at that dumpster in a couple of weeks, you know, once the season started, and maybe we are a couple of weeks through starts and some of these guys. But I really think it's one of those situations right now with what's going on with Hatch and what's going on with Nate Pearson. Just run with the hot hand. Just grab the guy that's thrown fire for that week or that month or whatever it is and just let it run, let it go, mm. you know? What's the situation out of that? Hopefully we're going to be doing good enough on those, you know, the other four rotation pieces, hopefully. I can't, don't want to say it, but even Tanner Roark has looked okay. It kind of hurts. <laughs> yeah. So, but... I, I really think that's where you got to be hanging your hat. We're hoping to get good enough starts through one through four that right now you might as well just play the wild card in that fifth spot and hope that Stripling or whoever can fill in that spot and that void just enough to hammer it down there. It's a 50-50 chance to win every night. Because the other catch on that too is, guys, we've talked about it this. If we can hold somebody within three or four runs every night, this is going to be a very interesting team just because of the fact that we have the ability to score easily that every night. And we've been seeing it with the dusting that we've seen in most spring training games when the regular you know lineup is in it. How many hits did Vladdy have the other night or the other day? And he had four hits and then the rest of the offense scored, what, 17 runs? Yeah. Was it? yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's that was against Major League starters that the beginning of that game anyways. So there is something tangible there that if we get just enough in that fifth spot, I'm not saying bring Josh Towers out of retirement. <laughs> just saying, <laughs> but that's that's what we could do is have somebody in that level of ball and just hope to get enough out of it and let the offense mash like we expect it to. It's, so it's interesting when you go to BlueJays.com and I'm looking at the depth chart right now, which is why I'm looking over this way. It's on my monitor over here. Sure. Um, <laughs> goes Ryu, Pearson. Obviously, he's out of the equation. So Ray slides up to number two. Matts is third. Roark is fourth. And then Stripling was a six-name listed. So he would slide up to number five in that case. So that makes sense. My, my guess is unless Ross Stripling just absolutely blows his opportunity over the next few weeks, which he hasn't so far. I'm pretty sure he's looked okay uh, in some of his outings. He probably will open as the five because I think he has the most experience out of everybody who's left. After that, the four names that follow Ross Stripling are Hatch, who's obviously not going to be in it anymore. And then it goes Trent Thornton, Anthony Kay, and then TJ Zoic. So, Adam, you brought his name up. Let's uh, touch on Trent Thornton briefly for a little bit. AJ's made a very good point last week. She really did when uh, she feels that Tr uh, Trent Thornton would get a chance over Anthony K at least to start. 
Thornton was really, really, I wouldn't say good, but he was reliable in 2019. And then he came into 2020 and was just not right from the beginning, injured. Um, and then his, his season was finally shut down. It just was, you, you could tell, it was just not the same Trent Thornton. Um, so given his experience in 2019 and his few starts last year, um, would you uh, say Thornton is probably going to be the guy? Or between Stripling and Thornton, who would you go with for that fifth spot? Oh, that's tough. Because um, they're just not – I mean, at that point, I don't care. They're fifth starters. I know yeah, it's yeah. a terrible answer to your to your question. But if I guess if I had to choose, um, I feel like we know what Thornton is right now. So mm-hmm. I would only do that if, if Stripling was just terrible. Yeah. Right? And then you just slide in Thornton. And I don't know that the, the upside is going to be that much greater – but it might be just a marginal improvement um, if it, Stripling is, you know, terrible, which I don't think he's going to be terrible. I just don't think he's going to be great. Yeah. Um, Extremely mediocre, right? <laughs> yeah, just fit starter material. Just, just there. Exactly. And yeah, that's all, just... like I said, I'm thinking that's all we need. I really think yeah. that if we get mediocre, we're doing well. Anything up better than that's that? That's true. Amazing, right? Right, right. And if we... Look, if if we're so gung ho, not we, but if the the front office is gung ho about having Anthony K having starts in Triple A, same thing with Zoic, maybe uh, with Richardson, whatever. I'm thinking to myself, and again, Craig, no disrespect to your region, but do we really give a fuck about Triple A baseball? Like the outcome, I don't care anymore. I don't care. Like I almost wore my I shit tonight too. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't care about their success. I really don't. I care about the Blue Jays' success. Yeah. And if it means you're seeing Anthony K just light it up, he's earned it. At that point, he's earned that spot. Fifth starter or not, he's earned it. I don't want to see Barucky go back in, right? I don't want to see them mess with that. I don't, and maybe Trent Thorne is sort of a bullpen, perennial bullpen guy. Fine. If he's providing innings and he's effective, fine. But if Anthony Kay is showing that he can pitch, don't, for lack of a better way to put it, don't waste him in Buffalo. Let him be productive in an area that the Blue Jays are clearly sorely needing. In starting pitcher, if you have that in your system, utilize it. That's why you traded for him. Utilize that. Yeah. So, you know, long-winded way. I don't care about a fifth starter, but if you have a guy in AAA that's earning it, put him in there. Don't be afraid. Yeah. I think the most confident thing about Trent Thornton is you know his upside could be a three or f- a two or three guy. You know, really? It's obviously peaking out at two, but I think yeah. he's realistically a three or four guy. But – um, th- he discovered something working with Clay Buckholz in 2019 there at the end, and you literally yes, yes. saw a giant leap in his game. He's got that in the tank. It's ready to go. He had a whole year off getting healthy. You know, if that, I really think that now he, when he gets the ball here in the next couple of days, he's going to get a chance to show us really what he has learned in that time frame. It's not like he's been sitting out completely, you know. It's just whatever so <laughs> apparently i have dog problems get the hell out you have you have <laughs> right there don't worry about it this is a family <laughs> podcast everybody <laughs> but yeah yeah i i just you can't really go wrong at the start of the season that's when you sort of you know sort things out and get it going but when it comes to the upside that you have in your triple a system utilize that triple a system Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, dog fight. We got a dog fight going on in the back here. They get too rough when they play, man. <laughs> dog fight. Yeah, dog fight. All right, Craig's out for a little bit. He's tapping right. out. No, right. Adam, could you see a situation? I was just thinking about this, looking at some of the names. Merriweather's 
in the bullpen right now, as of right now, I think he has a spot potentially, unless they want to stretch him out as a starter, which I think they're still looking at. So when you get down to the fourth and the fifth spots in the rotation, when you know you have Roark and either Stripling or Thornton, could you see a scenario where you have Anthony Kay ready to go out of the bullpen and Julian Merriweather, and you kind of do like a pairing so that they're both ready? You have like Roark with Merriweather to follow. And on the fifth day, you have Stripling with K to follow or K with Stripling to follow. Whatever it is, whatever that order is, do you think that could be an approach that could work or they'll take? Or would you rather just see, these are my five guys, let's roll with this to start the season? I'm for whatever wins ball games, And if that's the strength and you're going to split up innings that way, again, we talked about this last week about how I feel, and I think you guys agreed a little bit, to the point that starting pitching that, you know, one, two, three, four, five is sort of diminishing. Yeah. And it's just about conquering innings, right? And getting the most out you can per inning. So it's not in 2021 the most radical approach. And if any team's going to do it right now, it's either the Rays or the Blue Jays. Right. So you might as well utilize it and see how it works. And if it's, you know, giving you an upside, fine. Split up the innings however you want. And if that means, you know, I think you said stripling and K, is that is that how you put it? Yep. If they're each going like two, three innings just to start the game and then hit up the bullpen, fuck it. I'm fine. Win games. That's all I care about. Win games. Did, did you catch that question, Craig? Anything to chime in there? A little bit. If you want to catch me up, catch me up a second now that, you know, live TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I missed most of it, though. So if you want to catch me uh, up. The question was, could you see an approach where uh, when you get to the fourth and fifth spots in the rotation and you know you have Roark and then a fifth guy going where you could pair people up like Roark and Merriweather and then Kay and Stripling kind of just to cover your innings in case Roark implodes like he did last year or Stripling implodes like he did a few times last year or Kay as well. I wonder, I think that those pairings are going to happen inevitably just because, you know, they're going to be strapped for pitchers here and there and whatnot just to kind of, you know, keep things going a little bit. Some guys are going to need a little bit of a stretch out, I think, especially in this season. They're going to be going from 0 to 60 from a 60-game season to 162, right? right? I think that's the biggest thing playing against all these guys. They're, you know, they got soft a little bit, right? (laughs) So in the midst of that, I uh, think it's going to happen a lot, and I think with especially at the beginning of the season, they got that extra roster spot, right? It really wouldn't shock me if they end up having a force like we were just talking about stripling into the rotation for the fifth spot that they're really going to probably bring up, like, you know, K, Zoic, whoever, and there's going to be some extra length guys there um, just to be able to get them through those early months because you're, you're talking that they're going to probably come out and be like almost like extended spring training, right? Yeah. Four or five innings, and then they're going to be gassed, and you're going to have to bring out the next guy. And I think that's honestly how they're going to end up having to figure out their rotation. They're going to just see who's doing better and – it's going to eventually form itself into something a little bit more normal, I think. But I think the Blue Jays fans should be prepared for the beginning of the season to just look really, really weird on the mound because I really mm-hmm. think that they're just going to be shuffling things around because there is no guarantees in this outside of, uh, outside of Ryu, really, right? <laughs> Everything else is a complete wild card. And they have, we've talked about it a couple of times, it's all about the same level of talent or you're hoping about you know for the upside of all these guys. Even out of you know Ray and uh, Matts, you're still hoping for back ba- bounce backs to two years ago, three years ago. What's going to happen? You have no idea, right? Yeah, I don't uh, want to scare everybody, and we can talk about this a little closer. But uh, going through the rotation as of right now, 
there is a very big chance for implosions from four out of the five guys after you go by Ryu. Like Ray yeah. could walk could walk the planet and then be out after a few innings. Mats could also walk the planet or give up a few bombs and he's out. And then you got Roark who who knows what he's gonna give you this year. Cause you're right, there should be some credit. He has pitched decently well so far this spring. He ran into a little bit of a, a wall his last outing, but he did get he did pitch really well until then. And then who knows what you're gonna get from the five guys. But anyhow. Um, I want to mention but, one last thing. I don't yeah, know yeah, how yeah. much you guys have seen of Zoik so far this year, other than the fact that minor leaguer pointed out the other day his number was all kind of dipped, just like his sinker is. <laughs> so um, it was kind of amusing to see that picture of the back of his jersey. It looked like it was good, and then yeah, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> like somebody doesn't know how to put, you know stitch numbers on a jersey for somebody that's <laughs> actually played at the major league level. It's not like he's yeah. like you know ninety nine or. <laughs> something like that on the non-roster invite numbers, you know. Um, but his sinker has looked completely different, similar to how Anthony Kay has been having the great summer or the great spring so far with his cutter. Zoik looks like he might have taken that step. So it's been some encouraging things of like you know we can see some more upside out of all these guys. But it's like we weren't talking. It's just going to be a complete shuffling of who steps up and takes those those spots away. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Good point. Um, so there's a few other topics I want to cover and we'll see where we're at. Uh, but the first is yesterday, um, the Blue Jays put out what looked like what would be very close to an opening day lineup. So I'm going to read this off to you guys really quickly. I'm sure you remember what it is, but in case you don't, and in case any of our listeners don't remember yesterday, one through nine, George Springer in center, Marcus Simeon at second, Boba Shett at short. That's one through three, four through six was T Oscar at DH, uh, Vlad at first and Lourdes in left. So, and the bottom half uh, or bottom third of the order was Biggio at Grichik and right and Jansen at catcher to round it out. Now, Roark was on the mound, so obviously on opening day, that won't be the case unless something went incredibly, incredibly wrong. But uh, the batting order, at least, looks very, very, very close to an opening day lineup. Um, Adam, I want to start with you on this one. Is that what you envision the opening day lineup to be? A guy slotted in at DH like Teoscar and Grichik and right, or would you rather... To Oscar and right and rowdy at DH. Uh, there you go. What, what that's that's the line. Yeah, that would that would obviously shift the lineup a little bit more because I think I would have rowdy a little lower. If anything, where was Greychuk? Eight Grichuk was yeah eight. Yeah, you want rowdy a little higher because you don't want him that low. Um, yeah, I don't want Yeah, I don't want to put Kevin at eight either. Um. Again, I think we talked about this. This lineup is just going to mash either way. Yeah. Um, to me, that's fine. That that works just fine. And, and it's dangerous. At least one through six, I'm thinking, oh, I can't count on my boy Kevin. One through seven, that's that's <laughs> just deadly. That's a deadly lineup, right? And it's it's full of pop. Um, yeah, I think something similar to that. I, I wouldn't trot out Great Chuck on my opening day roster. They might have to just because of the size of the contract. You want to justify it or to make him a little bit more attractive in trade talks, if there are any, uh, or maybe potential trade talks. But uh, other than that, I think it's good. So I guess, fine, put Kevin at eight if you have to put Rowdy at seven. That's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Otherwise, it's fine. Craig, I'm going to make a sweeping declaration. So step off. <laughs> All right. Randall Grichik will be this year's Kevin Pillar traded in the first week. Ooh, well, that's not crazy. <laughs> That'd be interesting, actually. Tell me why. You know, it, I you you they've now seen what Jonathan Davis can actually do, right? Yep. Worst case again. scenario, I really think that he's forcing their hand to do something. 
and they can use Grichik to get something, hopefully. And especially now that we're talking all this pitching shit that we've literally been just laying out, I don't even care. If it, if it was somebody for, like, one of those guys, level that I'm not paying, like I would have to pay Rick Porcello right now from those free agent bins I was telling you about, wouldn't you take a flyer for trading Grant, Randall Grichik for some random guy right now just to hope that you have an extra arm to be able to chuck out there? Definitely. Maybe. Kind of. You'd have to eat a lot of money, though. That's the thing. Because if you're getting a random guy, you get you got to imagine that that random guy is not getting paid what Graychuck is getting paid. I would right? think so. so. You'd have to eat a lot. Yeah. Or it's a you know trading send off guys around, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I still don't think we're ever going to get David Price from the Dodgers. Yeah. <laughs> as much no, as I, I want it. Was, yeah. <laughs> Maybe at the deadline. Maybe at know. the deadline. So, but anyway, back to the lineup part. I can't start Randall Gritchick on this lineup with these other guys. I really can't. I don't. I can't think of a way to justify it, regardless of the fact that he is still going to probably somehow manage to run into 20 bombs, 30 bombs maybe this year, just because he has that amount of tremendous pop in that bat. Correct me if I'm wrong, isn't he still listed as one of the guys consistently each year as, as far as exit velocity is concerned? Yes. Isn't he usually in the top 25 each year or something like that? It's something nuts. And it's like, yeah. well, okay, he puts – when he barrels the ball – great the far. problem is <laughs> when he's swinging and missing that 75 percent of them yeah, there's a little bit of a wash there but i got it right now at a minimum right now for the dh and first base spot i have to reward riley telez the guy has had one of the biggest springs in blue jay baseball history basically so far and the last few times we've seen that kind of production in spring jose bautista hit 52 home runs or something <laughs> you know it's like that yeah. kind of nuts so I'm not saying that he's going to run off and do that, but the fact that you've got to reward the fact that he has clearly put in the work and is the better player, I think, in that lineup right now and the only fucking lefty. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, here's, here's where I think a few variations happen is when there's a lefty on Mount Grichik is in right, Teoscar is a DH, or maybe Vlad. Or, or, yeah, that's probably what it would be. Vlad plays first. Rowdy, unfortunately, are on the bench against against lefties. Sorry. Yeah, against against lefties. Um, and then Randall Rowdy. plays against the righties. Yep. Or I mean, yes, plays yes. against the lefties. Rowdy against the righties. Yep. Rowdy against the righties. Right. So yeah, Rowdy against the righties, where Grichik is on the bench, or maybe T. Oscar has a day off and Grichik plays right. But then, uh, then with DH um, now freed up, Vlad goes to DH and Rowdy plays first base. So if the only variation, I probably put Rowdy up near six and bump Vlad up to four and Lourdes in five. And then everything else stays the same for the most part. But man, that those, that top three could score a ton of runs because you know Springer's going to get on base and Simeon's going to get on base. And then you got Bo and then you got Vlad and you got just the Oscar, just a whole bunch yeah. of guys who are going to mash. It, it, it at its best, at its best, and this is asking a lot, but it may not look too different than the I'm just putting that out there. It's not too crazy to envision that happening. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to look up our single season score, you know, run scored record because I don't remember what it was off the top of my head. But um are you guys in agreement with me that I think Marcus Semyon in the two hole is exactly where he needs to be, regardless of yeah. what fallout is hand, handing around him? Just the fact that yeah. he is the veteran bat and he has tons of pop, and we've already seen that on display this spring. 
I really am still toying with the fact of who bats leadoff between Bo or Springer, but however, which one lands in whichever place, it's still your one or your three guy around Simeon. And I think I, I got to go with the guy that got me there last year was Teoscar Hernandez. I got to play him in my four hole, I think. Yeah. I really don't see anything different than that. And then having the ridiculous of just having Vlad and Guriel in a five and six hole in a major league lineup. Yeah. <laughs> That's the stuff of dreams right there, fellas. I don't care who you are. And then the other fun part about this is that we keep missing about and we keep led, you know, hinting at this legend eventually, too. If Danny Dan- Jansen doesn't hit, you're going to have Alejandro Kirk bet in the Kirk. fucking nine spot. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just nuts. So let me see if I can find that stat like I was talking about because I don't remember what the hell the – teams run the collective teams for the season score was yeah no go for it i I'll, I'll move on to the next one while you look that up craig um so another topic that i want to move on to unless there's anything else anybody wants to add to the batting order pretty straightforward i'm good um, so um one of the other topics i want to cover and i thought of one in my head that we can just touch on very briefly at the end of the show but um one of the ones adam you sent this to our little group text today um, a little uh, two paragraphs from the athletic, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, saying Buck Martinez lives in, and this is talking about the television coverage. Um, saying Buck Martinez lives in Dunedin, where the Blue Jays will host their first two home stands of the season. He said, color analyst Pat Tabler lives in Cincinnati and will be able to travel south for the first two uh, series next month against the Angels and the Yankees. This is where it gets tricky. Dan Schulman is going to be calling from the studio in Toronto, presumably the same studio he called all 60 last year with either Martinez or Tabler offering the analysis from their homes. That means Sportsnet broadcast will unfold from four different locations, with one production team on site and the other in Toronto, with the play-by-play analyst working separately. The setup is extremely tricky, said Corte, and I don't know who Corte is, but uh, yeah, reading all that makes my head hurt. Do you want to defer to your resident electrical engineer? (laughs) Yeah, sure. How is this going to work, man? Time sinking? is going to be insane. You know, we've, we watch this game together usually every week, but you know, you, you, Brendan, you'll, you're watching it on the live Canadian feed. Me and Adam are watching it on freaking MLB.tv, which even in between us, it tends to be off, you know? So just think about that <laughs> and oh. how messed up it is with our chat group and how delayed it already is. Mm. There is going to be like a five fucking minute delay for somebody sitting in the ballpark. The few people that are allowed to go unless we're in Florida and apparently everybody's allowed to go in Texas too. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that delay when we're just chit chatting through text messages, they have to delay it to the point so that they make sure that they're all sunk up just here and there. And then it's got to be broadcasted. It there's just this slice after slice or slice and it's going to be really weird and hard for everybody. And not to mention, you're hoping that they have the exact same TV feeds, yeah. too. So yeah. I think they used in that that article, the if somebody makes a diving catch in the outfield, are they going to both try and step on each other to try and make the call or talk about it just because they they can't tell if somebody's you know it's dead time or not? There's a lot of handshaking on that whole thing, and it's they have to be doing something like what we're doing here at least, I think, because yeah. they have to be able to see each other just to pick up on each other's cues or something. There's got to be another layer to this that they didn't mention in this article because, like I said, the technical stuff alone for the audio to be able to on track with all the video and be 
put into the right places too is a whole nother freaking thing it's like a freaking making a star wars movie all of a sudden where something could have been something some symbol is sitting in the ballpark <laughs> it's nuts yeah it's to me that was my biggest worry is having things not in sync right and craig you nailed it you and i watch the mlb tv feed and brennan you watch the um the Sportsnet feed direct to your television there have been times where we've done a podcast and i remember distinctly the danny jansen grand slam you stood up and craig and i were a few moments behind and you're like i I don't want to spoil it i don't want to spoil it right and so i understand that there, there might be some delay um my fear is you know when it comes to the the radio broadcast is you got to in four different audio channels five different audio channels if you're counting the noise in the ballpark right because some of these cra- some of these games are going to have live crowds you want that in yeah, totally. your atmosphere dun, 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 how are you going to pipe dun, dun. that in and <laughs> if you're going to pipe that into say showman's direct that means you have to base everything off showman's feed right because if he's watching the game with the sound and there's a hit and say tabler doesn't hear or buck doesn't see it yet or whatever it's gonna be all messed up so what i think is gonna happen is somehow sportsnet in their you know infinite money that they have in their pocket is gonna find a way to give them the most ridiculous internet speeds in the world (laughs) and be able to just have everything synced up they've said it's new technology right so they're they have something at their disposal in the article they said this um, that I don't think the average person has. And if right. anybody's going to do it, it's a conglomerate like Sportsnet. And by the way, uh, the person you were referring to, he's vice president of Sportsnet. Okay. So, uh... he, yeah, he's, <laughs> he knows what their capabilities are. Um, so no, correction. It, he know, he's been told what their capabilities yeah, are. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Exactly, yes. He, he's the just-get-it-done kind of guy, Thank right? <laughs> um eventually hopefully this is not an issue that's going to be long-standing hopefully by july august um brennan i think you mentioned some sort of timetables when we think borders might be open or when personnel will be able to travel for work at the very least maybe not for just visitors um if they end up having toronto baseball in toronto in late july early august then this is moot because everybody will be in the same spot and it won't matter. But for the first couple of months, brace yourself. We thought we were pissed off about the radio feed alone before. You might want to just not li- – because at least for MLB TV, Craig, you can turn off commentary and just listen to the sound of the game. Yeah. I might be inclined to do this. I'll give it a shot for the first couple of games. But if it's all over the place, I might be inclined just to do that. <laughs> it's – it's, it's incredible. I, I, this is what I don't understand. So I'm guessing that they want to have Buck in Dunedin so that he can go around the ballpark and, 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 and just be really close to the team. I don't understand the need to fly Tabler down there, as the, uh, as the article says he might be doing. Um, why not Cincinnati, have, that's actually a day's drive. Right? So but why not, not have bad. him come up to Toronto and be in the studio with Dan and have Buck 
kind of be like a Hazel May or a reporter for a little while. And then you have Shulman and Tabler in the studio in Toronto. So then you can eliminate a feed from somewhere. And you, maybe you have Buck checking in from the stands or I don't know how they can do it. But it just seems like they're overcomplicating it in my mind. Just tell Tabby to come up here. Call it the exact same way you called the games last year. But Dan in the studio with a color guy. And unfortunately, it's Pat Tabler. Uh, of the two, I'd much rather Buck. Yeah. But, uh, if it's Tabby, whatever. Uh, it is what Can it I is. make a fun comment? Of course. I just had this awful, weird image of Buck Martinez roaming around the cardboard cutouts going, and what do you think of the game tonight? Oh. And oh. The microphone and <laughs> sure. Just interviewing cardboard cutouts of our friends. <laughs> oh, what, do you, what are they going to do if and when they go to Buffalo, though? See, oh, you know, the <laughs> there was uh, an announcement today that might change all these timelines. Um, the Minister of Sport and Tourism uh, and Travel or whatever, or Entertainment, uh, her name's Lisa McLeod in the Ontario government, said that to help the CFL return to play, and I know these are outdoor stadiums, they will allow for a bubble um, if vaccines aren't being rolled out as quickly and they're still uh, in a dire situation. And that would be around June time. So as vaccines ramp up in the United States and they're more available for Americans and the Blue Jays playing in America primarily for the first month or two of the season, let's just say they get their vaccines and other players do, that news to me signals that they may be able to skip Buffalo entirely and be in Toronto by Canada Day. Yeah. And that, that to me, that's just another reason. Just tell Tabby or Buck to come up to Toronto so they're already here and they're isolated. And then you could be like, yeah, well, now we can go to the Rogers Center and call games from there whenever they're there. And there won't be a fear, hopefully, uh, of allowing at least sports teams to travel here. And they're even talking about letting fans into Scotiabank to watch the Leafs um, somewhat soon, too. That's not approved, but it's on their radar. So momentum is on the Blue Jays' side to potentially skip Buffalo entirely. But I'm sure Buffalo is still on the agenda for um, a worst-case scenario. I'm trying to f- – I'm looking at the article right now, and I, I'm wondering, where's Wagner? Wagner's going to be – he's going to appear on the television broadcast. He'll also appear on radio outside of regular game coverage. So he is he – Why not just do him and, and uh, Dan? Right. If he's that doing, would be somewhat better anyways. Yeah. That would solve <laughs> In unison everything. Fellas. Yeah. Just say, Tabby, Buck, take the first little while off. We'll call on you to be an analyst from time to time during the broadcast. We'll maybe set up little segments for you in the pregame show. But Wagner, let's run with it for the first little while. The, <laughs> and I think he would be great at that, and, too. Him and Dan are both leads, though. So, like, you can see, I don't, not to say that either couldn't, but obviously Dan would be the lead guy. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And Wagner would have to take a back seat, sort of, or just feed off him, which I think he's perfectly capable of doing. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think he would mind. But to me, that if he's going to be in Toronto anyway, like you're just forcing Buck into this. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. Wagner's fine. Right. And that would right. solve the radio issues because he knows how to broadcast radio. Yeah. Too. Correct. Right. It'd, be, it'd be a nice 50 50. That'd be 50 really would help. And in fact, like if Buck is going to be in the stadium, like I said, what's what's the difference between they just, you know, when they think he has something to say, you just bring him into the conversation and it's a three-man booth similar to what we got going on here. That yeah, I don't, I don't you know. Do with a rash. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, but and you can even have that a little bit more loose than that arrangement and I think it would actually work. And then no offense to Buck, but honestly, a little less Buck ain't going to hurt me. <laughs> no, I'm fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> that is literally how we started this show. 
Just saying. It was get rid of Puck and the get rid of Pat. <laughs> so more so Pat for sure. But uh, yeah. So but yeah, no, I uh, I don't get it. It's a good question, Adam. I have not heard any official plan. Oh, I guess those are the official plans for Wagner, but where he's going to be stationed? Because I know that the radio guys on Sportsnet every day are in studio with plastic uh, uh, separating both of them, so they're in studio. So I'm assuming. If he's doing TV, he will be in Toronto going to Rogers headquarters every day. So, like, real quick, uh, I'm reading the comments of the of the athletic, athletic article, Uh-oh. and this dude, C- Stephen, actually said, he goes, they still don't really answer the question. If Dan is already broadcasting from a studio in Toronto, <laughs> what was stopping Rogers from putting Wilner and Wagner in a studio in Toronto and broadcasting for the radio like they did last season? This is clearly cost-cutting. I think this is all it comes down to is that they don't want to have – two people in yeah but this sounds like it's going to be more expensive anyway right (laughs) new technology alone right (laughs) this is like so i just thought it was hilarious where you went with that comment there because all that popped into my head is okay a train leaves chicago going 50 miles yeah and so forth and then a train leaving toronto goes this fast how will they collide (laughs) it's gonna collide the answer is yes it's gonna do it and very shortly Yeah, it, it, look, this is making my brain hurt, as I'm sure it's it's making your guys' brain hurt. And you know what? We'll see what happens. I'm sure there's going to be some more details on coverage over the next few weeks. Look, it's crazy. We are exactly two weeks from opening day eve, which is crazy to say. Um, so there's one more show before we are a day away uh, from opening day. Guys, I don't know if we touched on this really quickly. I know we're getting a little long here, but did we touch last week on Texas allowing no. all 5,000? Yeah. So let's talk about that briefly, because that was a topic that we did not get to last week. So some people probably still very much remember this. But for those who have forgotten, because it hasn't been talked about much last week, the Texas Rangers, well, Texas estate is completely open and you don't need to wear a mask. You can do whatever you want. So the Texas Rangers were the first sports team to take these extremely loose restrictions, say we don't give a fuck, because they are allowing 100% capacity if their home opener sells out. And to be honest... I would be shocked if it's not sold out because there's enough people in Texas who would either be anti-mask or just not scared or people young or just people dying to do something and going to a game. There's 45,000 seats or so in this stadium and figures for the home opener. It's the Blue Jays that are playing in Texas for this. So they will be in a stadium with both teams, both coaching staffs, front office and 45,000 other people potentially yelling, screaming, drinking, doing everything. And, I mean, look, if it were me and I was there for the first time, I would be stoked to go. But And I would be thrilled and I would be yeah. loud and I would be drunk. But um, at the same time, this scares me, guys. Like, this scares me a little bit, having 45,000 people in a massive ballpark. And there's going to be a lot of people who do not wear their masks because they don't have to. Or people who wear their masks will have them pulled down because they're going to be drinking and eating. The entire time. Yeah, exactly. It'll be picking up all the food or drinks that you accidentally spill. So, Craig, any thoughts on this? Are you scared for any potential for transmission of the virus uh, to Blue Jays players because they're in an enclosed facility? I'm assuming the roof will be closed, but maybe not because it might be hot. But <laughs> I would hope so. But this is this is ridiculous. And figures it's the Blue Jays playing in this game. 
course of our luck, right? Right. <laughs> so we get to be the team that opens up the friggin' ridiculous monster Home Depot that is the uh, yeah. <laughs> the That's Texas true. Rangers ballpark. The toaster oven. Yeah. 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 Or what was it? Some yeah. people were calling it the, the house that had a door built. That's why it looked like it looked like. Yeah. <laughs> so... Oh, but oh my God! I didn't even think about the blue the Blue Jays being the whole opening team. That's just horrible. Um, Terrible luck. But it doesn't shock me that Texas is doing this. It shocks me more that the players' union's allowing it because with all this going on, Major League Baseball players still have to follow all their protocols and stuff, which is yeah. extremely more difficult than it was for last year as far as what they can and can't do. A lot more guidelines, and there's a lot more severe team penalties on point with this whole thing too so in the midst of that i i if i'm a blue jay player i'm going to go to texas i'm literally going to go from my hotel room to the ballpark and then i'm going to run out of there as quick as i humanly possibly can (laughs) because it is just a high risk situation and it shocks me the fact that major league baseball is even allowing this to happen period let alone anything because major league baseball has been one of the ones pushing the whole proper implementation of all these rules and we're not there yet. We are not even, yeah, we were talking about before the show that we're not even close to a quarter of the country here in the U.S. being done yet with vaccines. Yeah. And it's very sporadic around the state. So even that quarter is very, very divided up. Yes, Texas is the biggest state here in the U.S., but <laughs> it's just, it's not there yet. And I can't believe that they're allowing this to happen. But I can only hope the best and that the players do what they're supposed to and go from there but i agree with you that not everybody in that crowd will be wearing a mask and it's going to cause a problem yeah adam yeah i mean when i first heard the news um you know read to me and i was saying oh that's that's kind of rough but then i thought you know it's 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 not going to be an issue because all 17 of their fans are just going to be there anyway so (laughs) it's it's they are going to have a rough problem. year, so it is yeah. going to be hard to get people there for opening day. Other than yeah. the point that Brendan pointed out that it's finally something to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. Like all jokes aside, and I said that in jest, obviously. All jokes aside, um, they'll pro- all opening days are sellouts. So they'll probably sell it out opening day and just be there. But we Blue Jays have done it every season. They have been in the tank, right? They sell out opening day, True. and then the next day, literally game two, it's crickets. Crickets. Like you can't you no one down the right field line anywhere The 500 levels are empty so literally the game of that season i mean season that series it's not going to be a big deal there's going to be hardly anyone in there and i don't think you know although i love baseball i don't know that people are clamoring to go to baseball games where they can just go out and do anything they want anyway and live normally in texas in texas you know quote unquote <laughs> normally so i i think all jokes aside, game one, yeah, it's a little concerning. Other than that, I'm not worried about it because it's going to be hardly anybody there. Mark yeah. my words. Sorry, Rich, but mark my words. <laughs> the one catch on that whole thing, too, it is a new ballpark. Yeah, it's a toaster oven, though. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. But they have You're a giant rock anyway. wall inside that they can see in yeah. the regular Texas landscape. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it myself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, you're right, Craig. You summed it up perfectly. You're just, we're, we're, both countries are not there yet to have full capacity stadiums, and even when we get to that point, it's going to take building back up of confidence because we've gotten used to this normal for the past year now and over a year, which is crazy. But it's going to take some time before I'm 100% comfortable walking into a venue with a sold out crowd of 50,000 people. 
Um, even 25% or 50% capacity will be nervous. I'll be a little nervous for the first time. It'll take a few before like, oh yeah, this is what normal was like. So the fact that they're just going and, and just uh, saying, fight. fuck it, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I mean, you're within your right to do it as an organization. I personally just did not think a sports team was going to take those restrictions being eased and being like, yeah, we're going to do it because we want people here. We want the money. That's basically what the Rangers are saying. And Hey, they're following the rules that are allowed in their state, right or wrong, morally right or wrong. So I just hope whatever happens, the blue Jays get out of there safe and sound and that they're okay. And you know what? So far spring has been pulled off pretty safely for the most part. I don't know about you guys, but I have not seen a single COVID piece of news regarding any spring training camp so far. And that's interesting to me because it makes me think that MLB pull a little little (laughs) underneath the the rug of the public eye to get some of their players in front offices vaccinated. Probably not. But Uh, what is the, you know, that's actually a good question. What is the um, protocols right now for Florida? Is it just anybody can get vaccinated? Ooh, I I don't don't know, actually. I think they're, uh, I think. You got to also think that they're the oldest, on average, state in the whole you know country too. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Let me see. Um, I look, but in all reality, so I don't think it's as bad. Sixty plus. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, still, I have not seen a single COVID scare uh, in in both spring training sites, Arizona, Florida, wherever it is. So maybe this will be able to be pulled off, and maybe. Maybe there won't be too much of a scare come opening day, but it figures it figures it's the Blue Jays and hopefully nothing comes of it. Yeah. Craig, any uh, any Twitter questions, messages, anything before I'm we wrap call it up? out our fans because it's been extremely quiet this evening, even though we've had over 150 people listening. <laughs> Say Patty's day, bro. They're all I'm just drunk. saying it's drunk and quiet. I'm going to yeah, chalk yeah. it up to that. <laughs> yeah, chalk it up to that. So, but no, it's been, uh, we've had great attendance for usual, but it's been extremely quiet. So either everybody loves what we're ha- saying or they're secretly, secretly hating it. One or the other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true. I, I do have, I finally it's... found that stat. Oh, yeah. I did. It? So basically, the most runs scored by the Blue Jays as a team was in 2003, and they scored 894 runs that season. Ooh. Oh, wow. Jeez. And then their lowest, crappiest season was 1978. Shocker at yeah, 590. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, so anyway, 894 runs total and just a collective normal everyday lineup of what the 2003 Blue Jays were. Catching was Greg Myers, who had a monster year, batted 300. <laughs> Delgado at first. Orlando Hudson. Chris <laughs> Woodward. Rookie of the Year, Eric Hinsky. Shannon Stewart, Vernon Wells, Reed Johnson, and then Josh Phelps batting in the DH spot with 20 holds. Wow. It's a monster lineup, and that's also not to mention that you threw outfield rotations and DH spot rotations that Frank Catalanato was actually part of that team as well. That's right. Wow. Wow. Oh, I almost forgot. Mike Bordick. Oh, wow. Yeah. Who? Mike Bordick. <laughs> On-time Orioles shortstop turned Blue Jay for like a year. <laughs> Jeez. What Never part of the continuing it. revolving door of shortstops at Toronto Blue Jays baseball? <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's not the case for the next ten years, but yeah. it and is what it is. We'll and then future that. Blue Jay and future Rays managers, and I'm saying Blue Jay minor league manager Ken Huckabee, also famous for taking out Derek Jeter. 
<laughs> and Kevin Cash was on Cash. the bench. Yeah. Right. I forgot Kevin Cash was a Blue Jay. So that, that's interesting. Is that lineup actually, guys? Sounds eerily familiar, what we were talking about earlier as far as quality. But we got a lot more pop up the middle than that lineup did. This yeah. is 2003, right? 2003. Jason Worth was on that team. Yes, Jason oh, Worth wow. was on that team sitting on the bench. Got in the whole 20 games, it says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 20 games. He had uh, 10, 10 RBIs in that, too. Yep. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Good times. And Good one of the guys times. I always loved watching, Howie frickin' Clark. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> the steroids were rich in that club, except they just didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Not enough to get us over the hurdle. They really tried. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't work out the way they just wanted. Just look at um, Hinsky's neck. You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Yeah. Meaty. Well, we'll keep good times rolling here on Jaybird Watching. We appreciate everybody who's tuned in. Look, we uh, next week, Adam, you're in line to host. And then the week after, Craig, you get uh, opening day eve uh, as the show. Um, I think that's what we're going to do, opening day eve. Um, just to feel like Christmas Eve. It really yeah. will. But only two more shows before uh, we get opening day in Blue Jays baseball uh, on our calendars. But, gentlemen, until then, let's uh, let's sign off tonight like we normally do with a uh, two claps from Ric Flair. Let's go! Let's go, Blue Jays. Jays. Baseball's almost here. Woo! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.